You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Ivan E. Devery. And I'm Eric Borlaug. And welcome to an episode of The Parsnip Ship. Today we're in San Francisco celebrating Pride Month here. Um, and we're doing that at the opening of the new Wildcraft Espresso Bar, an awesome new uh, lifestyle brand uh, just off of Castro on Market Street. Um, and so we're here tonight joined by uh, Teresa Beaumont and a fabulous group of people. If you all want to say hi to our listeners. Hi, I'm Brandon Mears. I'll be playing the part of Ben. Or the cast can too. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Uh, introducing our fantastic cast. Starting with you. No, go for it. My name is Brandon Mears. <laughs> I'll be playing Ben. Uh, Nancy French playing Trixie Evans. Ivan Idari playing Leah. Tarak Khan playing Stephen and Rock. Adam Roy playing Freddie. And we are joined tonight by our musical guest, Jordan Wallace. And without further ado, this is Missives. Um. Hi, everyone. Um, we forgot to do this, but we would not be here without like playwrights in general. And so I would actually like to just give a shout out and major thanks to the playwright of Missives, Garrett John Grunveld, who is sitting right here. Act one, scene one. I finally heard back from the police about my friend Ben, Ben Lockhart. He's gone missing and I filled out a missing persons report. Now the police are calling because they think they know who did this to him. Just so I don't miss anything, I am going to lay it all out, write it down. It's weird because Ben and I used to write each other. I mean, actually write. Actual letters completely by hand. I have the last letter Ben sent me and the police think it might be evidence. I put it in the missing persons report. But now the police want more information about where Ben worked and stuff about his family. Information I know very little about. About his job, I have no idea. Best guess is something between drag queen and stockbroker. (laughs) But I can't be sure. There were things I asked and things he answered and the two didn't always match. Ben and I exchanged letters for years, and it didn't matter to me that I didn't know because he used to give me flowers. He gave me flowers in the first letter he wrote me. It's been too long since I bought you flowers. Here are some I chose for you. I buy you a dozen iris just about to bloom in their open, purple, singing mouths. I buy you alstermerias for your bedside so when you wake, you can hold on to the petals' striations, notice their chromatic shift as you shift out of sleep. I buy you cyclamens and cymbidiums. I buy you simple daisies and space-age futurias. I buy you one rose in every color because I don't know what to say and they each have a meeting, so I say everything. (laughs) I buy you a budding cherry branch that you should put into a canning jar and wait for it to burst into blossoms because that's spring. And you know what that means. I buy you gladiolas and lilies and bluebells and tulips and anything you want because it's a letter and I can't afford to pick you a dandelion. I buy you flowers because 
It's been too long since I bought you flowers, and you deserve them. Love, Ben, apartment 102. Love, Ben, apartment 102. Ben was my neighbor right across the hall. A letter slipped under my door. I'd never spoken to him before except to pass and grunt. Who did he think he was? Pissed me off. I looked back out the door to double check. No, no flowers. I knocked on his door. No answer. So I wrote him back. Why? Something in the handwriting, because I downed a whole bottle of wine. (laughs) Too tired, broken heart, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. When I wrote it and slipped it under his door, I thought, that will be the end of that. Dear Ben, why are you pretending to send me flowers? Don't go sniffing at me. You're gay, right? I'm horny. My boyfriend just dumped me. The gladiolas are gorgeous, or would be if they were real. When you do get the dough, buy them for yourself. You gay guys like that aesthetic slash flower arranging slash design shit. I plop them into a plastic cup, and they'd be dead in an hour. But nice thought. And why are you getting romantic on me? Don't you want some boy? Wait a minute. I live, I live across the hall from you. I hear boys coming and going night and day. And what is it you bitch out when you kick them through your door? You say... Uh, this has been special for me, too. Like uh, macaroni without the cheese. Uh, let, let's not spoil it by actually exchanging real names. Let's, let's see where the universe takes us. Now get out. I gotta pick off my nits. You're not <laughs> romantic. You're out of your mind. Why am I answering you? Leah, apartment, apartment 103. 103. The next day, another letter. And without a lot of thought, we were off. Dearest of Leah's, I knew I'd like you. I told this guy I was screwing. Okay, he's my boss. <laughs> well, I told him I was writing you mash notes. I say I wrote you because I love those shoes you were wearing Tuesday. He says it's because I'm crazy. I say, no, duh, we're screwing in the storeroom at noon. He says, you're living that old joke. What's the difference between a gay man and a black woman? I say, what? And he says, absolutely nothing. And I say, shut up and hurry up or we're going to get caught, which we did, but that's another story. Anyway, the thing is, I don't know you, you don't know me, but here we are, two single girls in the big city trying to make it on our own. So let's make a pact, a letter, every once in a while. Words to hang my permanently on suspension for screwing me boss's theory. What's the difference between a black woman and a gay man? Is there a difference? Are we the same person living different lives? You must tell me everything. Ben, through two doors, yours and mine. Ben, who do you think you are? Do you expect me to go along with this? Like I have nothing better to do with my time? What's the difference between a black woman and a white man? Please, I don't even have the energy. When do you find time to write these letters? Maybe at your job? What is it you do? For a living, I mean. I see how you spend your free time, you cheap slut. All those boys coming and going, like the one I saw in the hall this morning, smiling like a blotto lotto winner. And, by the way, I'm not going to play this game with you. Stop writing. Lovely Leah. P.S. The petunias are perking up. P.P.S. So maybe I am playing a little bit. Who am I? What kind of question is that? I am your fairy, oh my godmother, that's who I am. And I cannot allow the use of this paper another day. 
What kind of queen would I be? College rule. Huh, I'm mortified, mortified. Take this box and this bouquet of lilacs, because they're both super pretty, like me. Never you mind what I do for a living. You keep a lookout for that man. If you see him, kick his ass. He owes me 20 bucks. He took it from my wallet. You're lucky he didn't. Yeah, he took my wallet, too, and my credit cards and my license. Nightmare. I mean, I was planning on buying you some violets with that money. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do for a living? One day I see you in a suit. Next day you're in a muumuu. I'm just a legal secretary. I work, I wear bored expression. I work for a living. Hey, did I tell you about that dream I had last week where I had three penises? One where the penis normally is, two on my waist, all of them easy grabbing distance. It was great. My boss was yammering away. I kept thinking, if I acted crazy, he'd have to fire me. He'd probably just lock you up or get you therapy. Then I'd have to go back. Did you not hear me? Three penises. About your job, you should quit. I can't quit my job. I've got rent. Trust the universe. Rent takes care of itself. (laughs) Are you going to pay it? Get a man. You're cute. Not that kind of cute. But speaking of men, what do I find when I got home tonight? A message from my ex, begging as he should. I'm not getting back with him, not until he leaves his wife. (gasps) You didn't tell me he was married. Don't do it. They never leave their wives, trust me. But... If you do, and I'm not saying you should, but if you do, you must tell me everything. I shouldn't have slept with him again. (laughs) I knew you would. I mean, (laughs) I would. But then I'm a bit of a slut. You seem more reserved. Here he comes, begging. Before I knew it, we were at it. He made that low moan, and I remembered why. I mean, it made me. (laughs) Feels so weird to see you two in the hall. He must have thought I was a freak. Not exactly a freak. He's wondering what's up with all the writing. He wants to do me right now. I just said, wait, I've got to finish this. <laughs> I want to see his Wiener Schnitzel if it's supersized. Okay, but you do know that's a myth, right? That all black men have big dicks. He does, but... Thank you for telling me! I was sick of picking up change every time I, he passed me in the hall. Now... Now I want to see his wedding ring so I can say all innocent like, oh, you two are married? You're horrible. (laughs) It's not exactly like you and I talk, you know, out loud. Maybe you're onto something. Maybe we shouldn't. Let's just pretend we don't know as much as we do about each other. We have this life. False, true, who cares? It's a kick. Should we happen to speak in public, it's as if these letters don't exist. They're just for you and me. I don't want to lose what we slip under each other's door day and night. These things belong Belong only only to us. us. That's the way it worked. And it did work. I mean, it takes a level of care to write out your thoughts day after day by hand. Some amount of paid attention. I haven't gotten that anywhere else. And I wouldn't send an email. That's not the same thing. I mean, I could listen to what he said and did, but... How, from his handwriting, I could tell how he was feeling, too. That was involving. And I was able to tell him stuff no one else would listen to, the mundanities of everyday life that added up. He knew me. I'd tell him about my mother, a lot about her, or my job, my boyfriend, or little stuff like, Ben, 
Did I tell you that I bought a dozen iris for myself? In real life, I bought them. I put them in a vase on top of my TV. They have remained in a closed fist. I was told I should pry them open, but I'm afraid to hurt them. You know, mundanities. He'd write back with extraordinaries. His penmanship was remarkable. He would change how he wrote by what he wrote. And they were not always understandable. The context, I mean, like poems or something. The day lacks, not a packed and stacked morning, spent flicking tongues over surfaces repeatedly, a child at the tit, or a cat at a bowl of milk. We slow waltz over squares of land, more following rhythms than knowing where to put our feet. Why feet step where they do? As if the echo of our bodies borrows our bodies, sends letters home about what we felt and said and did. We place the letters on a shelf, to take down and savor throughout the day. This is how today seems. Tomorrow might be different. Stuff like that. I'd read it and wonder, who is this guy? How does he come up with stuff like that? Kind of fun. I get to know someone who thinks like that. But then sometimes it was just everyday stuff. I could not find one decent melon in the market. Have you seen the crap they've got? Looks like they fell off a truck. I I know it's off-season, but it's almost like they don't care about me. Or random musings. You know, if I ever meet Gloria Estefan or anyone else from the Miami Sound Machine, I'm not going to let them out of my clutches until they explain exactly what happens when the rhythm rhythm does get me. (laughs) What? Will it be a Cuban version of the red shoes and I'll salsa myself into an oncoming train? The letters weren't always very long. Sometimes it was just a quick... Busy. I was all right with that. I didn't have time either. On top of all of this, there was all this stuff coming up about my mother. She was getting married again and this time moving away. I had to help her pack, and I didn't like her latest husband-to-be. Yet another in a long line of losers. Losers? She doesn't know losers. I just dumped this man whose idea of hot was dirty talk in the voice of Tweety Bird. You know? I thought I thought pretty ass! I did! I did say a pretty ass! (laughs) Let's be clear, though. Ben and I didn't really talk. Not much. Not face-to-face. Not with our voices. Not that we made a rule out of not talking. It just didn't happen much. Maybe we wouldn't have been as close as we were if we had. How did he put it? What happens in the letters stays in the letters. Just like Vegas. Only it still happened between us. We live across the hall. We've got to run into each other every once in a while. And if I happen to be passed out drunk in front of my door and you happen to be not as drunk as I am and can get the key out of my pocket, you could roll me inside the door. For example, like you did on Tuesday. (laughs) Well, I'd appreciate it. I trust you enough. You won't stand in my doorway at some later date jawing on about me stinking drunk or questioning me about why I was wearing so much body glitter and how dozens of balloons got tied around my various limbs. That is for me to reveal when I am ready. P.S. I'll never be ready. Who am I to do stone throwing? Me? With the glass house living lifestyle? I'm sleeping with a man who won't leave his wife. We sneak around. I guess the danger is the fun, or the fun is in the danger. So, me judge you? Please. I don't need to know about no stinking balloons. Pop them up your ass for all I care. I will pry about one thing. Was that an issue of Sands, the Through the Hourglass fan magazine I saw on your coffee table? Please tell me you love Through the Hourglass as much as I. You must be honest about this and nothing else or this whole mad fiasco must end. 
Leah, in love with the idea that we are destined to be together. Kind of like Dallas and Margie, but not as destined as, say, Joey and Jesse. And if you watch through the hourglass, you know exactly what I mean. And now I must pause for a moment to tell you of my fondness for the daytime cereal through the hourglass. It is by far the very worst show ever put on television. The acting is far, far, far below superior. The writing is ludicrous. The sets are flimsy and dated. However, they have assembled the most genetically beautiful cast that has ever managed to slink out of its wardrobe to a man and woman, the biggest chest in all of daytime, a real boobarama. My favorite actress on the show is Christy Carlson, who, with her redolent Rapunzel-like hair, plays Trixie Evans, the town's resident vixen slash tramp. Trixie Evans is constantly sleeping with many different men and not being careful and getting caught and then falling apart because she got caught. Hers is a story of sin and redemption repeating, and it never fails. Every few months, there's a scene where Trixie gets caught and she has to defend herself. The betrayed lover is really giving it to her and, Trace, and Trixie has had enough. She turns around like a deer in the headlights, her hair fanning out around her as she turns, and she exclaims at the top of her lungs, I've made a mistake! Why can't you forgive me? And just before they cut to a commercial, the camera zooms in on Trixie and a single wet tear trickles down her face and fades to black. Well, it's stunning. Something to see at least once in your life, like the pyramids or the Louvre, only slightly less pressing than the Louvre or the pyramids. So now we were at an impasse, a deal breaker, as it were. If he didn't love the show as I did, if he just dismissed the whole concept as stupid, it would be all over between us. Or at least it would be tainted and we'd eventually fall into general disarray, into the average, into the we-don't-share-an-inner-life sort of relationship. I left work early just to find out what he slipped under my door. This has been my problem my whole life. Romantic illusion. Not the biggest problem in a person's life, you say? I say it is. People say, believe in love. Everything will be all right. How many times have I fallen in love only to act like Trixie Evans and tramp around when it starts to get tough? My infatuation with infatuation. Started with my mother. Gay cliche, but what can you do? She used to read romance novels, the sort that you buy at the supermarket checkout, the kind with covers of shirtless men and heaving women with heads turned and eyes closed like they're just about to moan. Oh, I'm coming. The men in the books were bastards and treated the women wrong, and the women put up with it. They were patient. The men came around, and they usually had a terrific reason for being such bastards, like healing the plague or stopping world war. Faith was rewarded. These books clearly appealed to women in my mother's situation who had to put up with men like my father. The only thing my father accomplished was defeat at the hands of the capitalist machine. The women in these books, they had names like Sierra and Magnesium. <laughs> the men had single-syllable thuds like Rock or Brock or Rick or Brick. They all had enough money, they all lived in fabulous houses and drove fabulous cars and fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. I, I mean, my mother's name was Beth. We lived in a rundown apartment and drove a Toyota that broke down a lot. 
My mother read romance novels all day long, read and cooked, read and cleaned, read and smoked, read and screwed my father, for all I know. The only time she wasn't reading was when she watched through the hourglass, which would transport her from one false reality to another. When I would interrupt her, she'd never say, be quiet, I'm watching my shows. She'd say, I'm watching my families. My families. <laughs> As if she didn't have a family right in front of her, begging, watch me. And now I can't stop watching. It's the only family that will still talk to me. They don't notice me much either, so it's not very different. Yes, I am obsessed with this show and read those books and want to live my life in love like that. I've come to the decision lately that uh, this is my problem with my whole life. Love, yes. Romance, yes. Consequence, no. Complications, no. Ben. P.S. And despite the show's flaws and my own constant despair in being so obsessed with it, Trixie Evans rules! Thank you for your letter. I have watched through the hourglass since I was five. I record it and watch it while I read your letters. It's not like you don't write all the time, but never about something that meant so much to me. I didn't think it meant so much. Then my boyfriend came over and it went downhill fast. All I said was, where do you think this is going? And he flipped out. You don't love me. You don't want me anymore. And then I said, no, what I want to know is what you want. Am I as important as she is? Am I? All he kept saying was, you don't want me. I don't deserve you. And for once, I believed him. I told him, you're right. I don't want you anymore. You don't deserve me. He was a bastard, and if he hadn't redeemed himself by now, he wasn't going to. So what was I being patient for? After he left, it felt right, but I still cried myself to sleep. I had this ridiculous dream of lights going on and off in helicopters, helicopters in the air with planks suspended between them and a marching band going between the helicopters on the planks. Then all of a sudden, there were firemen with fire hoses trying to knock the tuba players out of the sky, and the tuba players plummet, tubas and all, flailing to the ground. I told you it was ridiculous. So, of course, I made the right decision to dump him, even though I woke up very lonely and every step I took today felt like I was leaving evidence behind. Like you could see from the outside, this girl is alone. I got home to a message. I thought it was from him, but it was from my mother. Couldn't bring myself to call her back. When I watched today's episode, Trixie was up to her old games, hatching a new scheme, and I started in with the crying again. Lonely Leah. P.S. Now we belong to each other all the way. Here is a yellow rose, because yellow roses mean I'm sorry, or so I've heard. And not I'm sorry because you're single, or sorry because he was a jerk, but because you deserve better. We both do. Ben. P.S. This is why we must tell each other everything, so we can understand when it all goes in the crapper. I'd almost forgotten he said these things. He was a circumspect guy, did not reveal himself much. He didn't talk about jobs, only if he did or didn't have one. It was a gag with us. I'd do an elaborate guess about what he did for a living. He'd reply oddly. So I'm circumcised? That means I'm a rabbi? Circumspect. <laughs> or... I am not now, nor have I ever been an apparatchnik of the Communist Party. 
Or... Owning and wearing huge red floppy shoes does not make me a clown. He rarely said the names of the men he knew. Have I got a man for you? But he did set me up once. It was a horrible date. Ben chaperoned from the other side of the restaurant. Halfway through dinner, when I really needed a chaperone, Ben was gone. There was a bottle of wine and a box of condoms in front of my door when I got home. Came in handy for the guy I had picked up after I dumped my date. Josh and I got engaged two months later. Oh my god, engaged? Really? This is fantastic. Okay, before I give my okay, I have one really important question. How big is the rock? You're such a size queen. Josh is so different from my usual type. He likes sports and he's not married. How'd your mother take it? She refuses to come to the wedding. I've been to four of hers. I mean, Josh is a good guy. What's she trying to do to me? Mothers give us life. We might think they have the power to shove us back in, but they can't, really. They can't. She's probably just reacting to the accelerated pace. Who cares if he's a sanitation worker? I think it's fantastic. At least you won't have to nag him about taking out the garbage. He's not a sanitation worker. He's an administrator for the Department of Public Works. He's a pencil pusher, a desk. At least he has a job. I have a job. Sure, it's around here somewhere. Oh, yes, here's my hand. You know, when we're married, you know, when we get married, I'm going to be Mrs. Joshua White. That's his last name. Now that I'm going to be a white girl, maybe you won't like me anymore. You're not, you're not black or white. You're good as gold. Good. Gold. I'm not white or black. I'm all pink and lavender. And I'm super pretty. You're getting married. Mazel tov. If it wasn't for that bad date, if it wasn't for through the hourglass, if it wasn't for my fear of crowds, I'd be at your wedding in the ugliest bridesmaid's dress ever made. But I will be there in spirit. I'd moved out of the building and in with Josh a few weeks before the wedding. My mother came out anyways after all that drama. She was a nightmare. She cried from the rehearsal dinner straight through the whole reception. Ben and I promised we'd keep writing, but with stamps now. The first one was a box of all my old letters. He put a new note in, bundled on top of the old ones I'd written. Don't think because you're gone you can stop writing me. We've been writing almost every day for more than a year. I don't know what I'd do if we stopped. Anyways, I want you to have these. I want you to see where you were and what you've become. Someone even more wonderful than I ever thought. I've got photocopies for my records, and you're not rid of me yet. And yes, I have records, and no, I don't work for the FBI. I'm out of work, and I don't have money for a proper present. How I'd love to give you dahlias, tons and tons of dahlias, bursting in every color, fireworks on a stem. Much happiness, Ben. P.S. I hate Chip and Janet, the people who moved into your apartment. I met them in the hall. They're so unbelievably ugly. <laughs> P.P.S. Can you believe it? They have Trixie spelunking. I don't know who you are, but I just know that you've fallen down this cave. Even if no one believes me, I'm coming down to save you. Just hang on! And all of it with perfectly manicured nails. I think I decided it was okay to marry Josh because he understood my letter thing with Ben. When I asked Josh if the letters bothered him, he said, I'd be a fool to be bothered by that. So it was the best of both worlds. 
I had a fabulous gay boyfriend for the most intense personal intelligent secret stuff and then a husband for my other needs. And Ben approved of Josh. Yeah, he sounds lovely, like, a, like an aspirin for a hangover or a sweater on a cold day. A nice change. I wore white. No one laughed. I changed all the flowers to Dahlia's. It cost a fortune. Ben said he wasn't going to go, but he was at the wedding, after all, in the back with a very striking man. Standing at the altar, I saw them sneak in. I was inexplicably happy, and the way Ben treated this guy, so attentive. I was in Paris on my honeymoon. I'd been to the Pompidou Center, and I wished Ben had been there. Maybe he could explain it to me. I mean, what is up with that place? Then we went to Musée d'Orsay. That was better. I wrote... I'm looking at a sculpture called Maturity. Don't know why I thought of you. By the way, who was that man? I couldn't wait to get back and find out. His name is Steven. He must be special. You've never mentioned boys you're screwing by name before. He is special. I even told him my real name. Can you believe it? How did you meet? And then I got a letter from Steven. An introduction. I, it wasn't expected, but par for the course for Ben, I guess. And then I got letters from both of them, sometimes together, sometimes just one or the other. I wasn't jealous. I mean, he had someone. Who could begrudge him that? But... Dear Leah. But... Dear Leah. As a little bit... Dear Leah. Jealous, a little bit. It's March. Ben and I have been going out for a few months now, and I feel like I should, at the least, introduce myself to his best friend. Even at your wedding, bossy Ben wouldn't let me talk to you. But now I have his okay. See? I didn't want to let him join in, but he's so cute, I couldn't resist. I mean, I've seen the files of letters. I haven't read them. That's all between you two. But good Lord, did you two do anything but write to each other? And because we probably will never see each other face to face because of whatever word, not in person thing you have, this letter will have to serve as an introduction. Hello, my name is Stephen. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. I hope we get to be friends too. I'd like that an awful lot. P.S. Gorgeous wedding. And your dress was fabulous. He's right. It was fabulous. And I want to make it clear. I wasn't jealous because Ben and Stephen had each other. It's because... You asked how Stephen and I met. It's that he got to know a part of him. We met at a party. We met in a dark room. In a way I had to imagine. We're supposed to say a crowded party. Whose party? A friend's... A mutual friend's... Okay. Okay, so we met at a party. Yes, at a crowded party. But it's a dark room. We're all fingers. And, and some of that I didn't want to know, really. A dark room, bar, sex, drunken sex. You married ladies have this, yes? Sex? Yes. We're still in the honeymoon. A new position every once in a while would be nice, but yes, lots of sex. But not in a dark room. You don't think we leave the lights on, do uh, you? Not the same kind of dark, honey. It smells in there. There's a lot of... People just kind of standing around watching. What are people watching when they can't see anything, anybody? But you can feel everything. I still can. Everything about it. Sometimes I stand in the dark. Like this? Like what? Like this. I try to remember. Oh. It just happened a few months ago, moron. <laughs> I wish Josh were more inventive. We're both out of work, so we're spending too much time being naughty. Watching through the hourglass. Ben's got me hooked. Frankly, I resent him for it. Trixie is up to her third sister's husband. 
Stop it! You're obsessed! She got caught. So what if I slept with Guillermo? She always does. Anyone could have made that mistake. I mean... But she said the best thing in her defense. How was I supposed to know it was wrong? We all thought you were dead! Well, they did. Well, we did! (laughs) And the honeymoon? You must tell us everything. The honeymoon. We went everywhere. It was, it was a world. Josh wants to have kids. I do too. Really bad. We've been trying. It's, it's been, been a, a month. month of... My tongue is numb. My tongue is numb. The best numb. He's touching me. He doesn't know. This is my body. This is my body. Built for bearing. Built for him. This is my body. To fit him. But built not so sound. A baby. We're trying to fit a baby in. My lips are numb. He seems to care, though. To become a mother, then my life would be... Placing, Placing, lifting, lifting, wrapping, wrapping, pucker, pucker, bite. Bite. Every night, mad lovemaking before sleep. I can't feel anything on my face. I'm in love. I'm in love. He's in love. He thinks. So he says. Really? So we're all in love or in lust or in something? Now here he is again, mouth open, tongue again. I open up again because I think if I don't, he'll leave me and this fuck is worth it. Not to sleep right. I'm a little needy, aren't I? He says he's in love. I, I, the crazy thing is it doesn't freak me out. I think I'm in love too. Mazel tov! (laughs) It looks like we've both gotten married. See, we are the same. He moved in a while ago. Didn't bring much. I don't have much. He's got secrets. I don't have secrets. Enough about it. Okay. I don't. Okay. I'm back at work. The sun rises and sets. I've got to pay for that wedding. I still want to quit. Neither of us have jobs. I have unemployment. I don't. I was a dancer. So he's extra limber. But I hurt myself pretty badly, so I can't go back. I haven't quite figured out what to do next. Steven, what does Ben do? I mean, for a living. Don't you dare. I think I figured it out on my own. Either you're a cobbler with a team of elves working around the clock to make shoes, or you're a proctologist. (coughs) (laughs) The sun rises and sets. We don't lift a finger but to touch each other's bellies. Josh likes it at sunset, the exact moment the earth tilts on its axis. The sun rises and sets. He has secrets. I don't pry. I make sure I'm home, although I wish. Hunger drives us to the late night lineup for cheap Chinese takeout. Vanish. 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 The Chinese ladies call us ghosts. We're so hungry we almost forget to eat. What's that saying? Not a day without apples or bread. I wish she'd do something different, mix it up a little. Can you believe it? They've given Trixie a weird mystery disease. Her contract must be up. Forgive me, Father. I have sinned. It's been, um, too long since my last confession. I see less of the me I used to be. Because we're not Chinese, the ladies call us ghosts. And now, one of my past transgressions... The sun rises and sets. Must be... Coming back to punish me. And then I told him why I'm not working. I'm sick and they don't know why. And then I get a job. I told him why I'm not working. I get a job, not because of what he tells me. He should have told me, but 
it's because of what I told him. I've been wanting this job. I, I told you. I applied for it before we even met. I tell him, I do have a secret. I tell him, I don't want to hurt him. I tell him that I meant to tell him sooner. Steven, I don't know what to say. How are you doing? I'm fine. We're fine. We'll be fine. I mean, we've always been safe. This changes it all. The, the knowledge of it, not the fact of it. The fact of it is the same with or without the knowledge. That's why I didn't say anything. But then I, I had a thing happen, and anyway. What thing? Nothing. A, a thing. A, a kind of a cold. Nothing. I'm fine. Ben, it is odd not living near you anymore. It's not like I would knock on the door with some soup for Steven and talk it out like normal people do, but... At the least, I'd like to see your face, to know better how you are. Now more than ever, you must tell me everything. I never asked. I, it wouldn't have mattered, maybe. I, I guess I just didn't want to think about it. But I should have asked. I'm so mad. How, how the hell do you get this? Now! How can you be so irresponsible? I mean... He and I, we, pra we, we practiced safe sex, so it wasn't a mystery. But what was he thinking? Like he spent his whole life in a monastery? I mean, you think I don't beat myself up? Like I need to tell him that I make mistakes? Like, he's, he's not said anything, but I can tell. I say, why the fuck did this shit happen to me? I stop myself because it's happening to him. But I feel cheap, like a, like a carnation on a white flower day. I'm allergic to a lot of the medications. I've got the luck, huh? They're trying different things, but it's not working. I exercise, eat well, sleep. It's all I can do. I'm just fine. I'm basically healthy. However, he's mad I didn't tell him. I should have told him. I thought he knew. He never asked, so I thought he knew. I deserve it, right? I fall in love and I get this. I think everything's fine months and years ahead, really. We'll be all right. All, of the, all that waiting for the right one to come behind me. I'll be rewarded. The, the world is not empty. Will not be empty. I love him. I tell him I love him. I think I, I think I say this out loud, that I love him. But all I hear in my head is, the world is not empty, filled with ghosts. The world is not empty, filled with ghosts. The world is... Then I worry I say this out loud and hurt him when he doesn't need that. He falls into silence for days and then bursts out with this crazy plan to travel, to visit all the sites you saw on your honeymoon. I say, great, let's go. He backpedals. Oh, we'd, we'd go tomorrow if not for the, the refrigerator. All the food will spoil. What could go bad so quickly? Besides, even if we ate every bit, we'd still be hungry. We consume it all. We've gotten fat. Nothing passes its expiration date, except me. Just kidding. I look at him like a sweet thing on the other side of the window that I'd like to pop into my mouth. More than any eclair, I focus on my see-through reflection. I've got to stop dwelling. After eating, we sleep, dream dreams that, are, that do not reveal their purposes, lack the efficiency they usually carry, the reason for this one's face on that one's body. Oh, yes, I see why. It's because of X, Y, and Z. No, it's not that easy. My dream? All night. Feet shuffle on some railroad platform like trapezists on a wire, lifting, lowering, to test if the next step is there, stuck halfway between poles. His dream? He's a cellist, fingering strings, vibrations, waving the bow until the horsehairs start to snap, snap. I ask him, after I find 
scratches on my stomach. It's weird. Blood on my fingertips, his blood. We've gotten so awkward with each other. If I had my old body from when I was dancing, let's just say it's awful to lose your body and not be able to move like you used to. He woke me up, not just from that dream. My whole life, he woke me up. And what is it now? You'd asked me when we first started doing this letter thing, what is the difference between a gay man and a black woman? And I thought it was the stupidest joke. Actually, I didn't know almost if you were crossing the line. But now I realize the details are the difference. But the answer is absolutely nothing. And it is an answer, not a punchline. Not to me. You need to stop being such a drama queen and start... Your letter got here too late. I got tested and I told him I was negative. It caused an awful fight. He left. I moved out. It was bad. Perhaps been told you. Unforgivable things were said, and that's what I deserve, I suppose. Not really. But it's not as if he never did anything outrageous. After we just sat there in silence, close in the broad room, but positioned so our knees were but inches, although slightly askew, his face was turned as if an interrogation had taken place and no questions were asked. He'll tell you differently, but here's how I left. After fighting, we slept in the same bed, apart. He kicked the sheet down to the bed. By morning, it had fallen off. It was the longest silence. A table, an ashtray, the night sky out the window. Although I don't remember until now how dark and oceanic it hangs this time of year. It was the longest silence. The next morning... The next morning, he sits on his side of the bed, feet firm on the floor, trying to rise, to go to work, to let me... I don't know. And the next morning, he left. I rose, stood before the bathroom mirror, slipped the razor over my face until smooth. I leaned in, mark on the mirror breathing makes. I rise, make the bed, turn on the coffee... Maneuver into the bathroom around him. The last time I'll see him. The last time I saw him. So I moved out. He asked that I not write to you anymore, but who's he to know? No, no, this will be the last. He gets you in the divorce. But I want you to know how much I cared for you. You were the best friend I never met. Love isn't easy, but this is too hard. I had to get out of there. Try sleeping with someone who's not positive when you are. You try it. One big fight and he's gone. That fucking coward! I was just sad. I would have gotten past it. I still loved him. I mean, I love him. He didn't have to move out. He left a note. I took your old bookshelf. It was just gathering dust. And your paperbacks. All that romance crap you're always complaining about. I know they were your mother's. You'll get them back. I'll need something until Cable is... A chair. I hope you don't mind. I took my ashtrays. I know you don't mind that. I don't know what else to say. Goodbye, whatever that means. Don't try to find me. I don't. So you want to go? Fine! Go ahead! Just give up on us already! Now you'll never know how much I love you. Why don't you go after him? I have his address. Stay out of it. No, you can't give up on yourself. Give up? He gave up. He's the one. 
Listen, you, you know what I mean. I'm trying to help. Help with this? I got a call today. Come clean up his effects. He left your name. The voice says, they found my name. He'd killed himself. He was not always vain, but he didn't want the long slide down, I guess. No notes. His effects. Is that all a whole life boils down to? Effects? Oh, Ben. Unopened mail. Comic books. Calendars with pages not ripped off. The chair he borrowed. Papers filled with lists. Pictures. His face indelible. One of us together I've never seen. Heating pad, checkbook, work boots, overturned wine bottle. I'd be honored, he'd say, twirling. Disability checks, unfilled tax forms. I handwrite, deceased, return to sender. A string of Danish flags. His mother's Christmas plates. Ashtrays, unmade bed. Tubing, cosmetics, a half a dozen cans of Campbell's chicken noodle, my old bookshelf crammed with old, uh, full of paperbacks, a syringe, cough syrup, serrated scissors to cut the fringe. He'd only, he'd only moved out a few months ago. How could he make such a mess here? Why did he kill himself? Was it that bad? Why didn't he stay with me? I, I could have taken care of him. I, I tell you, Leah, I, I want to gather all this stuff up, all these pieces, and make him whole again. I, I want... What are you doing? Sometimes I stand in the dark. Like this? Like this. We met, in the, we met at a party, and we end up like... Who cares how we met? The world is not empty, Leah. Filled with ghosts. I'm saying this out loud. I am saying this. The world is not empty. I wrote and wrote him silence. I wanted to go to the memorial. I offered to host it, but I didn't get an answer. I don't think they had one. I could tell Josh was getting fed up. He didn't say anything, but I knew I needed help. I got so desperate. I tried something awful. I can't believe it worked. Ben, not much new here. Do you realize it's been two and a half years since we met? Happy two and a half anniversary. You can't just give up. Here are some phrygias. When you smell them, think of me. If only you'd stop being such a whiny bitch, you'd write me back. I had to take desperate measures. I lied and told them that you were a dying child to get this done. I miss you so much. Put the video in the machine. Hi, Ben. I'm Christy Carlson, and I play Trixie Evans on television's Through the Hourglass. I hear that you're one of my biggest fans and that you're going through a pretty tough time right now. I want you to hang in there, little guy. What's happening to me on the show is just television. Don't worry, I'm just fine. And I know you will be too. But because of my current story, I think I understand better what you're going through. Your friend Leah and I are pulling for you and your whole family. I want you to know that Leukemia is just a right now, not a forever. You listen to your mommy and daddy and all the doctors, and I just know you're going to get through this. So you can keep watching me get out of another tight spot on through the hourglass. 
Take care, your pal, Christy Carlson. Dear Leah, I hope you'll understand I can't talk to you. This was very nice. Here's your video back. Give me some time. I'll be back, I promise. Ben. P.S. I planted some posies in my window boxes. I put up window boxes in the spring. The new landlord was pissed off about the window boxes, but the posies were lovely. All summer, when I left the windows open, I liked to watch the wind blow through them. That wasn't good enough for me. And I was at my wit's end, so I screwed up big time. I went to see him. I shouldn't have. Ben! Leah, what... What are you... I wanted to get you flowers, real ones, but I didn't know. You shouldn't have come. But... No, I'm, I'm not up for... What are you doing? We don't do this. I know. We don't talk. That's, that's not... I what? was worried. Josh thought that I... Josh? Okay, like he knows you and me? Like he knows Stephen? Stephen was nothing like Josh. Just because you settled for the first thud that came along, you think you know what happened between me and Stephen? What does that asshole know about love? Huh? What's that supposed to mean? Leah... You shouldn't have come here. I wanted to see you. I wanted to help. It's not helping. God, this is the... How could you? Now, when I really need you. You! I thought you knew me. This, what is this crap? We don't do this. We don't... Ben, I'm sorry. Just I just... leave. But I just... I leave. Please, Leah. I can't. I don't know how to talk to you like this. Could you leave, please? Could you please... That was a huge mistake, and it was the last time I saw him. End of Act One. Two, scene one. It was the last time I saw him. Only I didn't know it at the time. At the time, I just left him alone for a while. Well, I wrote for holidays and birthdays. He was wrong about Josh. Josh was just what I needed, a wonderful man. And I wrote to tease him when Trixie recovered from her mystery ailment. You mean it? That if she could get her life back... A clean bill of health? Maybe he could too. Do you know what this means? A new start for both of us. Silence. In hindsight, it may have been a bit insensitive. I wrote to tell Ben I was pregnant. And later again to tell him I named the child after Stephen. Josh had an Uncle Steve he liked, but... In my heart... I wrote to tell him my mother died, a heart attack. She never got to see Stevie. My mother, I loved her, but she sure didn't make life easy. And all I got was silence. And then I got this letter. It was just a little after Stevie's first birthday. I cried when I pulled it out of the mailbox. I didn't realize how much I missed him. The last letter I received from him, I put it in the missing persons report that this might be the guy who did something to him. Dearest of Leah's, I am so honored that you named your son after Stephen. He deserves it, but I don't deserve it. The love, the video, the everything. 
Trixie Evans? <laughs> wow, I, I've missed you, and I have no excuse for my lack of contact. So much has happened since I've last said anything back. I want you to know that I'm sad for your sad and glad for your glad. I wrote you before but never sent the letters. However, I am sending you this one. It regards some curious postcards. I started getting these postcards. They were weird. They, started me, they startled me out of my seat. The first one reads, Dear Alex, I love you, damn it. Why aren't you here? You belong with me. And you remember me sometimes, don't you? I remember the way my knees hooked over your shoulders, your mouth everywhere between. I love you, damn it. Why are you there and not with me? Love, he signs it with an a period. He sends the card to my address. He says, Dear Alex, my name is Ben. <laughs> Frightens me. I look at the picture, a wooden mannequin with a hole in its chest, next to it, next to it a heart, like a pig's heart in a pool of blood. The next day, another card, a, a separated horse's head on white butcher paper. Yikes. Dear Alex. Dear Alex, I am getting over you because you never call or write to me anymore and I have met someone else, someone new. He's rich. We're making plans. Why have you decided to treat me so badly? Oh, we could have been great. See how much I love you? He wants to buy me a house, and I'd throw him aside at the sound of your voice. And he signs this one XOXOXO and then F, period. I rack my brain and try to figure out who this is. Is it, is it a prank? I know the neighbors aren't this clever. <laughs> is it you? Is it because you're angry with it I'm not, that I'm not writing you? Oh, it's not you. Did I sleep with someone and lie about my name like I used to? Say my name is Alex? Get out and get a shot, you'll need it? Get out, I used to say, hoping they'd stay. Get out, get out, get out, and if you have a heart, forget my name. Which was fake most of the time. Maybe, maybe this guy remembered some fake name, but that was a long time ago. I, I haven't gone out for... Ever. <laughs> Not since I met Stephen. When was that? A year ago? Two? Wow, time. I get another one. Dear Alex. Dear Alex, how are you? I've missed you so much. In my last correspondence, I mentioned someone new. Don't worry, no need to be jealous. It's over. And it's not so much that he dumped me, it's just that I couldn't get you out of my heart. And it's not so much that I'm angry, it's just that I wanted not to slash out at him. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. By the by, bought that dog we always talked about? Called her Pepper, according to plans. He signs this one. Love your sweet F. And I begin to think that F doesn't stand for a name. What's this? A smaller note. P.S. P.S. See that spot in the corner? Think Lewinsky dress. <laughs> He's disgusting. Obviously, he's insane, a, a very sad and lonely person, mentally imbalanced. I do my, my best Nancy Drew, but the postmarks are no clue. They're from all over. It could, it could be anyone, and yet I can't stop reading, looking at the pictures. This, this picture, a naked man on a stepladder reaching up to hang a star shimmering in the sky. Nice ass. Dear Alex. Dear Alex, I caught Love Story on TV last night and thought of you. I remembered it was your favorite movie of all. 
And I cried and cried in that scene when Allie McGraw says, love means never having to say you're sorry. I cried because I have to say I'm sorry. 20 times last week, I'm sorry, but my love grows even when we're apart. You are the one. I love you more than air. What does that mean, more than air? And love story, please. This time, just a simple F and a dash and a PS, too. PS, Pepper misses her daddy. He's so sad and lonely. I say it out loud. He's so sad and lonely. And I look at myself in the mirror that hangs in my entry, the one that Stephen and I bought together after so many arguments, arguments that weren't really about the mirror at all, arguments that were really about what we were doing together and if we could ever make this work, a damn mirror. And I look at myself, and I look at myself. Who is this person? Stephen is past, and that person in the mirror is... No. I'm sad and lonely. Dear Alex... I take the mirror off the wall. I miss you. I always hated that mirror. I miss your laugh. I try to start living like Stephen would have wanted, like you want me to. I miss your smile. I try, but I don't do very well at first. But I try. I miss your ass. Call some friends I haven't spoken to in a while. I miss you. Yummy you. I went on a trip. I might tell you about it someday. Yum. Uh, I wrote you letters, uh, lots of letters I never sent. Love, F. I came back to his stack of cards. I wonder, who, I wonder who I think he is and who he actually is, if they're the same thing. Case of the century, perception versus reality. <laughs> I thought the same thing about myself. Do you know me? It's a question I've wanted answered since I've met you. Am I more me in the letters I write to you or more me in everyday life? I don't know. And we keep, we keep them so separate, so who am I to say? Dear Alex. Dear Alex, you'd be proud of me. I'm doing what you asked of me, following the plans. Today, I had my first eight-way. I skipped the three-way and went straight to the eight-way. Or... Dear Alex, I've done just what you wanted me to. It's not so much that I didn't enjoy it. It's more that it hurt. Something awful. Today, I got fucked for the first time by a... I can't even write it. It's, I can barely read it. It gets worse and worse after... Each act, he says, that's what you wanted me to do, right? And so I don't read them. I put them in a pile and, until today, when I glance at the card that just came, instead of the usual F, it says a name, Freddy. Love, Freddy. It says, the picture of a strange little boy running down a dirty alleyway, looking back over his shoulder in fear. I read, dear Alex. Dear Alex, I've decided to come see you at last. I can't wait to be in your arms, to rest my head in your chest again. I've been a good boy. Have you gotten my cards? I've done what you wanted, right? I've gone around the world, slept around enough to know what I want. It's you. So, Alex, I'm coming back to you. I'll see you tomorrow. Love, Freddy. But my name is Ben, not Alex. Hello? Alex? My name is Ben. Alex, are you there? It's Ben. You know who I am, don't you? It's me, Freddy. My name is Ben. Are you there? And he's not. He's not there anymore. Ben's gone. And now the police think he, it might be this guy. I mean, I'm so embarrassed because I keep thinking, why don't I know what Ben does for a living? And they're asking me, but honestly, I don't know. It sounds funny, but it isn't. Dear Mrs. White, not a day without apples or bread. 
May you never go a day without apples or bread, or a week without a letter from an inmate, a long letter on thin paper with drawn out ramblings about what he'd do to you if he were on the outside, but, but never so scary that you'd worry about what he'd actually do if he got on the outside. And may your coffee always be the exact temperature you like it, right at the moment it's poured so you can drink it right away. And may pigeons never shit on your shoulder uh, while you're going to a job interview. And if they do, I hope they're not diseased pigeons because that would just be awful. But most of all, not a day, not a single blessed day, may you never go a day without bread or apples. The steps to my childhood home were quite steep, and they wound around the building up to the fourth story where we all lived in a tiny brown attic room. A stove for heat and two beds, one for all of us kids, one for my parents. The stairs were dangerous, particularly in the winter and the snowstorms, particularly after the second turn because the wind would just come off the mountain there and the railing wasn't so dependable. I mean, we fixed it since my brother Johnny had fallen from his death or to his death, but the wood steps were slippery and, well, didn't want to give way to yourself to depending on something that had let the family down before. And I remember my brother Johnny. We used to play knick-knack, but we didn't play it like the other kids did. We played it differently. Knick-knack, paddy-whack. <laughs> the game used to hurt. And after Johnny fell down, the money got even tighter. And then Daddy used to play knick-knack with Mommy. And then Mommy used to play it with the kids. And that game really hurt. And it's not so much my mother died, but, well... She was bodily assumed into the river by my father. And he was tied up in a tarp and weighted down. She. And we had to take her over the river. Daddy made me hold her feet, and I didn't want to. And it's not so much that my father died, but my sister killed him. And I don't blame her so much at all. Now, let me tell you something about myself. I liked candied ginger, and I eat fish on Friday when I can. I have a terrific dream life. I repeat things a lot. And I'm sorry if I'm not getting through to you, but I don't feel like I'm very good with people, particularly strangers. I don't feel comfortable most of the time, and I feel particularly uncomfortable if there are people in the room. I don't really know how to connect with them, and well, I repeat stuff a lot. That's me. And this is how I got here. I remember being in the room with somebody's body. But it felt almost like I wasn't in the room. Here's how it happened. I was slipped a note while riding this bus by a man who looked surprisingly like Chiang Kai-shek. Now, not that I know so well what Chiang Kai-shek looked like, but in my mind's eye, I said, oh, what's Chiang Kai-shek doing on the bus? And isn't he dead? And why is he passing me a note? Ugh. So I read the note, and I looked up again, and he was gone. And I went to the address on the note, and that body was there, and then the police showed up and took me away. And as I got into the car, I saw Chiang Kai-shek, this guy, across the street. I'd been set up. So that's how I came to get in a room at this gray bar hotel. <laughs> I didn't do it, I swear. Sometimes I dream about my brother Johnny and what we'd do if he hadn't fallen. Well, we'd go mountain climbing in the middle of winter, through the forest and snowshoes, snow falls from branches when we pass like white china from a cabinet. Then, onto the rocky slope, 
To climb this mountain is to wish for an elevator. I hate him every step. My breath freezes in front of me. I think he brought me up here to kill me. All I can think is how unstable snow feels to avalanche. We break through the ice's hard pack, loosening as we go. I don't dare grunt when I lift and lower my legs because the noise could trigger something, and, well, I can fall into things. I know how. It is taking all my effort to be myself. We, we, we reach as high as we will go for the day and look around. The air, clear as vodka in a glass. Nothing to be touched. I am breathless. My mouth is dry. We are the two last men in the world. Empty, except of sky. The sky is blue, as bright as his eyes. I'm about to fall. I think, why am I always falling? And may you never go a day without apples, or bread, or a week without a letter from an inmate. May you never go a day without apples, or... How could you do this to me, Trixie? After all we've been through together, captured by terrorists, then lost on that desert island, trapped for weeks with only our wits to keep us alive, I thought we shared a bond that would never be broken. After all that, you cheat on me? How... Aren't you going to say something? Answer me. I've made a mistake, Rock. Can't you forgive me? Forgive? Forgive? He's my brother. You slept with my brother. You have no proof. Your sister wrote me a letter. Carrie? You've spoken to Carrie? Yes, she told me everything. But I thought she took a vow of silence when she entered the convent. <laughs> she did, but that doesn't include letters. She wrote to me. She told me all of the horrible things you've done. You slept with my own brother. My ex-husband? The father of my child? This hasn't exactly been easy on me. I love you both. How exactly am I supposed to choose between the two of you? I think you already have. Goodbye, Trixie. Where are you going? I'm leaving. Wait! We can work this out. We're past that stage. But you were missing. I missed you every day. We can get back to where we used to be. Remember how we used to be? We'd write each other little notes. I cherish those notes. Really? Did you really cherish them? Then why did you burn them? I, I... When you all presumed I was murdered by that serial killer, Carrie told me. You burned my love notes. Out of despair! I thought you were gone forever! I thought I loved you. Rock, no! Don't leave me! I made a mistake! Can't you forgive me? Damn that, Carrie! I thought my secrets would be safe with you behind the walls of the cloister. Damn you! Damn you in that whole to hell! <laughs> apples and bread. Apples and bread. Josh, hi. Yes, I told you it's okay to take Stevie on Saturday. He'll be ready. Okay. So listen, I got a letter today. No, it's not from Ben. He's missing. It's from this guy. What's the problem? The problem is my husband... Okay, go ahead. Okay, 
I can handle this on my own. I'll handle it. Sure. Okay. I told you I'd have Stevie ready. Ben, you're like a missing little boy now. I keep thinking I'll pick up a milk carton with your face. I don't believe you will ever read this, and I don't, not for a minute, I don't believe you are still alive. I hope, but I don't believe. I told you so many things, things I never told my mother or Josh. They just didn't get me like you did. I mean, we belong to each other all the way. I had the best of both worlds, and now, now what do I have? Josh? It's just different than I thought it would be. I think about my mother living for man after man, and I decided when I was very young I wasn't going to do that. I was going to have a safe... When I had a baby, when I had Stevie, I was going to be a different mother, and I am, I am, but I need someone who will understand. And you, of all people, understand that you are missing. I don't know where I would send this. Not to our old building. Dear Mrs. White. I don't think I know anyone in that building anymore. Old Mr. Milschlagel on the third floor passed away last month. He was 92. When you were gone too long, they cleaned out your apartment, put most of it into evidence. I went by and to look at your window. The landlord was taking down your window boxes. They must have been beautiful. It was something you did, make things beautiful. You should see what I've done with this place. Well, I've given the windows a treatment, in my mind, because a valance would be against regulations. I went down to the police station and went through your stuff with a detective. I found the weird postcard you told me about. The detective was excited and was going to give it over to the DA. The windows are a murky white from which you cannot see a thing. Like cataracts. And then there was a box of letters, the ones you never sent from when you weren't talking with me. I asked if I could just have that because they were addressed to me. After much discussion, they made copies and let me have the originals. That was nice. I haven't read them yet. I've been saving them. I've been spending my free time with my face pressed against the reinforced glass trying to make just one ill-defined form. My husband left me. It came as a surprise to me. It seems that he thinks I'm having a hard time dealing with you being missing. Until next week. Everywhere I go, there's the fact of your disappearance and... Love, little Freddy. And... I'm supposed to move on. Anyway, I wanted you to know I was thinking about you, and I hope that you're okay somewhere. Leah. P.S. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time passing. Oh, Mrs. White. Dear Ben, I think I'm doing better. My therapist thinks it's good to write to you. But if I didn't, I'd go crazy in this big house. Josh still isn't here. Maybe you were right. Maybe he's not a stud, but a big, fat thud. I was going to tell you about this guy. Well, the DA thinks this guy did something to you. They were able to match his writing to those postcards you got. They caught him killing someone else. They're convinced there's a connection. It's some relief, I guess. I think he did it. Oh, Mrs. White. But the police haven't found you. The DA says it's the same guy, but there's no body or no proof and no confession, so... Officially, you're still missing forever. So officially, I'm supposed to give up. I keep thinking I'm going to get a note from you in the mail. It'll all have been a terrible joke. You just changed addresses and told no one. Oh, Mrs. White. It's not going to happen that way. I know that, but that's how hope works. That's what's gotten between Josh and me. Hope. What a terrible thing to have. 
Officially, we're not separated. He's just staying at his mother's. He gets to see Stevie on the weekends. Officially, it's a lot of work being a single mother. And the antidepressants are doing wonderfully, so officially, I should be feeling better any day now. Oh, Mrs. White. I finally figured out what you do for a living. I think you are a writer of lyrics for avant-garde music. You know, the kind of lyrics that go, seven, cauliflower, blue in the sewer, while blips and bleeps fire and fly. Okay, there's that. It took a long time to come up with that, and no one else would think it was, it was funny. Oh, Mrs. White, can I ask you, have you ever gone out and picked a bunch of fruit? Uh, in a field, I mean, off a real tree. I used to pick fruit. Branches just close enough to reach up. Nothing like a good plum tree, because the plum, when it bursts in your mouth, it's just about the best thing in the world, don't you think? Do you know what Josh keeps saying? That I should snap out of it. Are you kidding me? I should snap out of it. Snap out of it? So what if he only said it once? I'm resentful. I didn't get the schedule for how you're supposed to feel when your best friend goes missing without a trace. Or when your husband leaves you. Anyway, Heather at my office, I told you about her once. She's the one with the abnormal toes. When I told her what Josh said, she said, I should divorce the son of a bitch. That might be going too far, but... It's nice of Heather to say so. Just so you know, Trixie burnt down a convent. <laughs> How would I know what happened? I'm in shock about it. I mean, I have lost my sister in this horrible fire. <laughs> I thought she might get away with it, but... Carrie, is that you? But her sister showed up this week, so who knows? <laughs> Just thought you'd like to know. Dear Ben, I told you I was getting letters from that man who did this to you. He knows I know. Hey there. I don't know how. I've never written to him or he put two and two together. Who knows? Heidi ho I hate him. I hate the letters, but I read them. What you doing? I read them hoping to catch a slip and he'll let it out where you are. Three more things, then I'll go. One, I used to break into houses and take very little, but I'd re rearrange a lot, you know, switch the drawers around so they'd be so busy putting things back together they wouldn't be able to really figure out what stuff was missing or just out of place. I never got caught for this either. Two, a teacher in high school said this about me, that I live in a world that is aware it's not flat, but all the people have yet to figure out that <laughs> it's round. Would you say this is true of me or of you? Three, I keep thinking it would be lovely to get a letter from somebody out of the blue. You know the nice thing about letters? They tell you so much about a person. The handwriting says things an email never will. There's no personality in an email. Even in a phone call, you can filter out so much information. Body language, facial expression. Well, not that very many people want to call me or write to me. But it would be nice someday to get a letter from someone out of the blue. Maybe from you. Shut up. You, my accuser, you've never said to me what you think. You just... You didn't go to my trial. Shut up, would you? I was never convicted of the crime you suggest, but you accuse me of it. I learned a lesson this week. I was kind of shocked. I should never lie because it always comes back to bite me in the ass. Dear Leah, hello from Hollywood. 
I'm writing you this note to follow up. I was going over my calendar from a few years ago and I came across your entry. I made a video for a very sick little boy named Ben and I remember you wrote such a compelling note to me about how much the family was struggling to keep his spirits up. It never quite left my mind and I hadn't heard anything from you in a long while and I wanted to follow up on his progress. I know it may not be positive news after so long, but I want to know, nevertheless. You see, his story stuck with me, and I would hate to assume the worst. Could you take a moment to update me? You mentioned Ben was a painter and described in great detail one special painting he had done for you. He sounded like such a dear soul with his oil paintings of floral still lifes, and so young to handle such a complex medium. <laughs> the way you described them to me made me want to perhaps purchase one, if for nothing else, to assist the family with the high medical expenses they must have incurred during Ben's extensive treatment. You may not know, I like to keep it quiet, but I've done a lot of work with children's charities. Much to my regret, I'm not able to have children of my own. I'm particularly involved with the Juvenile Leukemia Society as my sister died of leukemia when we were girls. She was my little sister, and I've never quite gotten over her passing. You may know things about loss, like I do. It is my sincere desire, while I'm in the spotlight, to use the spotlight to help others. Your pal, Christy Carlson, a.k.a. Trixie Evans, America's favorite troublemaker from Through the Hourglass. I wrote her back. I told her the truth. Well, I stretched it. She didn't need to know you were never a nine-year-old immigrant child from the Ukraine dying of leukemia. I told her that you had passed away, that your family was now understandably out of touch. I sent my regrets to the loss of her sister and thanked her for her kindness. I had no idea. It's amazing what we assume. And Ben, then I did the best thing. Maybe it was Trixie Evans giving me courage. I went to see him. I was out of my mind with anger. I bought all his letters. I was going to be dramatic. I was going to hold his letters in my fist and throw them at him and yell. I was going to yell, please stop it, you motherfucker. Stop it. Stop writing me. I won't read them anymore. I won't even open them. I'll put them in the garbage where they belong. So just stop. And I know you took his letters and then you killed him. You killed my friend, you motherfucker. But... I didn't. I just stood there, very calm, and I said, I want you to tell me the truth, and I promise you I won't tell anyone else. Not the lawyers, not the police, not the guards, not, the, not anyone, but I have to know, please, you would have been so proud of me. I was like, I was on the through the, through the hourglass or something. I felt so brave. And after I stared him down, he said hesitantly, P.S. Postscript on your whole day. The truth is, a long time ago, I knew a guy named Ben. I grew up with him. But it wasn't the same Ben. I didn't do anything with your Ben. You don't have to believe me, but it's the truth. I didn't do it. I swear. Then I knew he did it. And this whole... Atlas burden just lifted. I'll never know where you are, but I think I can stop looking for you. I got a restraining order. He won't be writing to me anymore, and if he does, they'll, get, they'll go to the DA, so he's gone. I think I'm snapping out of it. 
Maybe the antidepressants are just kicking in. Maybe standing up for myself was the trick. It felt so good. I'm spending this weekend reading the letters you never send and putting them away. It's a condition for me to get Josh back if I want him anymore. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But I think I really needed to do it for Stevie. Stevie, you won't believe how he's grown. He's become such a person. And that's what we were, people. Not straight or gay or black or white. None of that stuff people worried about. We were people. And it turns out the biggest difference between us wasn't any of that stuff. The biggest difference is I get to go on. Once these are read, that'll be it. I won't be able to open another new letter from you. This is really nice paper. <laughs> you had good taste. You chose me, didn't you? We chose each other, really. We belong to each other all the way. When did you write this? A year ago? A year and a half? Wow. Has it been that long? Dearest of Leah's, Stephen left me some money. What a surprise he had money. So I'm in Europe. Where else but Europe for redemption? All these churches. And in the winter, it is really cold in these churches, so it feels like I'm atoning for actual sins. I was terribly depressed after Stephen passed, and it took me a long time to decide. But a friend who was a travel agent finally set me up. Maybe time will get clearer when I get back, but right now it's moving so slow. There's, there's the marker of when he passed, and then there's everything after, and that's all hazy. I probably won't send this to you, but it's been such an amazing trip. I, I have to write, and, or I'll just fall apart. You've been very wonderful, and I've been very awful. And that's all I'll say. Do you like stationery? <laughs> it, it, this chose me. It, I was in Milan, and down the street from my hotel was a stationery shop. I, I was impressed with myself more than anything. I mean... A guy from my background, I came from nothing. A world of soap opera dreams and romance novel wishes. Here in a foreign country, fingering this paper. This most amazing paper, don't you think? In Paris, in the square outside of the Pompidou Center, there was a performance artist in the snow. She stood on one leg for what seemed like hours. She was there when I went in, and there when I went up the glass-encased escalators between floors. She was there when I left, and I gave her a few euros when I walked, walked by. No one was watching her. It was so cold. Uh, maybe she wasn't performing at all. Maybe she was just homeless. But I guess that's what performance art is all about. It doesn't matter if no one sees you. It, the, things that matter is, thing, the thing that matters is that you do it. Believe me, if, if I had that lady's booking agent, though, I'd fire her. And no, I'm not a performance artist or a booking agent. Not that I'd tell you if I was. That's been kind of fun, huh, the guessing? Ah, uh, maybe not. The truth is actually quite boring, but why break down now? The television here is horrible, but at least they have through the hourglass. They are years behind us. They're still in the middle of the whole underground city saga. You haven't lived until you've seen Trixie Evans dressed to slay Barbarella, dubbed in throaty French. Je ne sais pas où sont les éternaux. J'ai fait un faux. Peux-tu me pardonner? Amazingly, she's still a tramp in French. <laughs> Mais peut-être. Voulez-vous aller à ma petite chambre pour un rendez-vous romantique? I've been going to churches because apparently in some towns, particularly the small ones, there are no McDonald's. And the only thing to do is go to church. So that and bars, which have never not been a temptation for me. 
So I'm just doing my best to be good. I, I think I went to every church on the whole continent. I spend a few days just sitting in pews, making notes. I light candles for Stephen and worry if I've done it wrong and do it anyways and wait for comfort to come, if it comes. Stained glass becomes reason enough to get out of bed, as if the passing of light through color is enough to penetrate the soul. Then all the questions the, world, the word soul brings up. Do I have one? Did he? Where did it go? I study the patterns of the confessionals and the altar guilds, and in one chapel I learned the particular gesture of a statue until the gesture is my own, casual, an action of daily life. And while I travel, daily life takes on a different texture, an artifice of excitement. I could live here every day, I say to myself, but if I did, I would not retreat into mediocrity. It would always be this novel, this involving. <laughs> and it would descend into mediocrity, of course. Every pattern does. That's the joy of being away from where you're used to, the variation of patterns. The joy of being away is being away from memories of, of him. It, it's much harder being alone after he's gone, even though I was alone for so long before him. But Stephen was the best thing for me. And that stuff I said about Josh, <laughs> I, who am I to know? What happens between two people? Whoever knows what this is, what that is. Sometimes people love each other, people looking at you and me from the outside. What would anybody think? It's real. It happened. My life, wouldn't, my life would have been nothing without you, nothing special. So I'm, I'm in Amsterdam, and there's this tour. <laughs> there's this tour brochure in the lobby of the hotel, so I go. It's of the flower market. It is the most amazing thing in the world. It's the dead of winter, so I'm the only one on the tour. My tour guide is incredibly cute and tall and wearing really ill-fitting pants. But that's okay because there are flowers everywhere. I mean, miles and miles and miles of flowers. You would have loved it. It's the world's largest building, so I've been told repeatedly. But uh, we're on this little electric golf cart, and here's an acre of just one kind of orchid, their stems rising up in the same direction. Here's a million calla lilies and roses, and gladiolas, and dahlias, and tulips. <laughs> I think I freaked the guide out because I was, I just started bawling right there. <laughs> I'd never seen anything so wonderful. I kept wishing you were there with me, and I had millions of dollars, and I could buy them all and ship them off to you. I, I just lost it. <laughs> so bad the guide had to take me out to the infirmary. Uh, he gave me a big bouquet on my way out. I started crying again. I was waiting for the tour bus, watching it snow with all these delicate flowers in my arms. I was wishing I could give them to you. So here I am, in a letter, giving you flowers again. I miss you, Ben. I miss you too. End of play. Thank you so much, uh, Garrett. That was um, incredibly lovely. Um, thank you for sharing your play with us today. Well, it's my pleasure. And I just want to um, 
say something that nobody in the audience really knew, Yvonne stepped in this morning. An actor last night got in a car accident and wasn't able to be here. So Yvonne did no preparation and no warning, and she's not a regular actress, and she did such a fantastic job. Thank you, guys. Amazing. (laughs) So did, certainly did double duty today. (laughs) And it's not an easy part. It's the play. If we don't have (laughs) Leah, we have no play. And, And so it's not like we could move someone up in the cast because has to be an African-American actress, and she just did a wonderful job, so thank you very much. Thank you guys yeah. for bearing with me. No, <laughs> you were great. Um, Eric, would you like to start off? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I would just love to hear you talk a little bit about what inspired you to write this play. Um, so uh, I've been a member of Playground since its inception, and in this play, Playground is actually having its closing night of its festival it's short play festival tonight, and they have some other things going on. But I started Playground 20 more years ago, um, and we just did short plays. So in this play, there are actually three short plays. One that was in the festival, the whole Stephen situation, that was a short play. Um, and then one year in the festival, uh, and the Dear Alex thing was in the festival. And then one year, um, we had a topic, um, and I wrote the... Uh, may You Never Go a Day Without Apples or Bread. And I received a commission from Playground to write a full-length play, and I had a proposal, and the artistic director said, you know, what if you expanded that full-length, that into a full-length play? And I thought, oh, that would be really interesting, and I could probably string together some of the other plays that have similar tone and then write more. And so I was writing this play about this African-American uh, artist, a painter, and her white male assistant, and I got about two-thirds through, and I hated it. I just hated it because I thought plays about artists are super pompous. Um, and so I went to the symphony with my parents, which sounds really pretentious, but, you know, <laughs> I, I live in a city where I'm five blocks from the symphony, so if you don't go, you're just really wasting a great resource. So I went, and they were playing uh, songs for the common man, and the pre-show talk was about how things were every people. I'm like, I know what to do. I want to make them friends. And so I decided on this structure because... The, something that's really important for me is, an epis- is to try to do something different with every play, to try to marry structure and a unusual story, to show things on stage that we haven't seen before. I've never seen a play about the friendship between white gay men and African-American straight women. I think it's a wonderful friendship. I've had many of those friends, and I, I just think it's, it's important to show things that we haven't seen before. So that's kind of what uh, this came about, and then it just grew and grew. And um, it was about a month before my deadline, so I threw everything out and just wrote this draft basically in a month. So that's sort of what came out of, of that. Um, and, and I kind of threw my whole heart into it. Um, I named the main character Ben. Ben was my cousin who went missing when I was a little child, um, when I was like just in between sixth and seventh grade. Um, and he, they never really found his body. They think they found his body. So um, there's that. And um, uh, so there's a lot of 
lovely. I, I mean, I always say the adage, you know, write what you know doesn't mean write exactly what you know, but what you've seen and what you think about, like, there's a really dirty story about that that line of, I thought I saw uh, that dirty talk in the voice of Tweety Bird, but <laughs> that's for later at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, after all of the wine has been drunk. Um, and so kind of touching upon something you have touched upon with what makes the story interesting and new is that you really highlight um, friendship between an African-American woman and a white gay man. But on the flip side, there sometimes is, um, you know, in, within pop entertainment, pop culture, and media, and, you know, this constant consumption that we're always having, and it's, you know, how it relates to appropriation, um, white gay men have been accused of appropriating black female culture. So, like, what, I mean, what do you have to say, like, well, a, in response, in response I to that? I think that's true. I think that's true, but I also think that, um, uh, there's the old adage, you know, oppression has no hierarchy. There's that. Uh, but also, uh, a lot of African-American female artists have not complained about gay, white gay men buying their material and pitching True. to us very True. strongly. And I will not deny that I have a Whitney Houston album in my collection. I, <laughs> you know, or Mariah Carey. Or, I mean, it's not like it's a one-way street. And, and I think there is objectification. I don't pretend that, um, that white gay, gay men are perfect. They're, they're far from it. There's, there's privilege and all of those things happen and I, I don't think Ben is uh, a perfect character by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's really quite a flawed character. I think he's quite um, uncommunicative, not socially graceful and unable to have adult romantic relationships in healthy ways. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, appropriation is not great but I think there is a when you f are faced with commerce, you know, it's, it's a two-way street sometimes, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I love walking down the Castro, and I see groups of friends, and, you know, it's, it's sometimes all, all one race, but I'm always happier when it's everybody getting along and getting together. And, and, and I think that's healthy for all of us to talk. Yeah. Amazing. Everyone getting along together, yeah. except Freddie. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so funny because, uh, you know, you write what you know, and I had just broken up with someone named Freddie. Um, so I just named the bad guy after him. And I, it was so funny because, uh, also, so much shade. I had a horrible failed musical that I won't mention, but. Um, I, I walked to pick up we had a reading at the Rhino like in 2003, 2004 it was part of a grant, the Tornasol grant and I was walking and I was walking down the street and I looked down and there was a postcard from not the musical but the, the show before it, the DeBose Triangle that was at Josie's Cabaret and Juice Joint which is 
now the restaurant around the corner. And um, it was the postcard from that show of all coincidences as I'm going to pick up the check for the reading. So I go pick up the check. I walk to the bank. As I'm walking to the bank, I run into the ex named Freddie. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what are you up to? I'm like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and the whole play has been lovely coincidences. Like I was telling Yvonne, like the first reading I had in New York, I got into the cab to go to my friend's apartment where I was staying. And on the cab radio, the first song was, oh, hey, oh, oh, hey, oh, uh. It was this, the rhythm's going to get you. So, like, that joke, like, was just there. So it's like little hints from the universe are p- poking are me along. You. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll wrap up our interview with um, a question we ask all of our playwrights is, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Well, you very well know what I had for breakfast because <laughs> I had breakfast with you. We went to Kate's <laughs> Kitchen. And I had the flanched Florney Garney, <laughs> and we shared a buttermilk cornmeal pancake so with good. bananas and lemon curd. And I had a bite of your biscuits and gravy, and I took the leftover gravy <laughs> for breakfast tomorrow morning. <laughs> there you go. That's what I had for breakfast. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you guys. So much. Yeah. Thank you, Garrett. Thank uh, you to our cast. Yes. Thank you to Jordan. Jordan Wallace, guest. our musical guest. Um, and thank you to Teresa Beaumont, our host here at Wildcraft Espresso Bar. Last but not least, thank you to our audience. You guys really give good energy. Thank you so much. And if you're listening at home, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Download us on iTunes and uh, Google Play and SoundCloud and hit subscribe. Thanks again. You just listened to The Parsnip Ship. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.